The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, live at Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and Sandy, 10905 South Automall Drive. It is time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint Special guest line we go. He makes the magic happen for the Bleacher Report. He's our good friend Howard Beck with us on Friday. Hi, Howard. How are you? Good evening, guys. Apologies in advance for any uh, noise. I'm walking through a very windy midtown of New York. So, All good. Uh, we have a lot to get to with you today, of course, Howard, coming the day after the trade deadline. Let's start there. Who, who made themselves better yesterday? Well, I think two clear winners, one in each conference. Uh, the Clippers adding Marcus Morris was uh, you know, a, a slam dunk for them in every way. Uh, they didn't give up much. Mo Harkless, nice player, but Marcus Morris, a better shooter and a tough defender. And it gives them so much versatility now where you can play Marcus Morris next to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You've got three guys who are virtually interchangeable. I mean, Marcus Morris is going to guard mostly forwards. But the other two guys can guard just about everybody. And that's a lot of guys you can throw at LeBron James in an eventual playoff series against the Lakers, which is kind of what we all still anticipate. So nice move for them. And it also kept Marcus Morris from being a Laker because they were certainly another team pursuing him. And then in the East, uh, I love the Heat getting Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder along with him. I mean, if they had just gotten Iguodala, I would have thought it was a pretty nice grab. But they also get Jay Crowder in the deal. So, again, uh, versatile, defensive-minded wing players, which is really valuable in today's NBA. And in their case, it's, you know, you're chasing the Bucks and eventually maybe having a, you know, a series against Giannis. And to have Iguodala and Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, like that's a lot of different looks, guys who are capable of, of trying to uh, at least slow down Giannis a little bit. So uh, love that deal for them. And it's uh, – that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, a lot of other you know guys flying around the league, but nothing else I think that's going to make a serious impact. Howard, are you taking the Houston Rockets and their uh, sort of their short, uh, short-heighted experiment seriously? They certainly look good last night against the Lakers. I mean, they're going to gloat after last night, and and they they earned that right. That's fine. Is that going to get them through a seven-game series or a best-of-seven series against the Lakers or Clippers? Is that even going to get them through a best-of-seven against the Jazz or the Nuggets when they're going to face Gobert and Jokic? Um, I, I think it's a serious question. I mean, it, it, look, it's I, I'm all for, and I've always been a big believer in um, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, the experimenting that they do, the boldness with which they you know, pursue their vision of, of basketball, each of them individually and then now together for the last few years. So I'm, I don't want to be too much of a skeptic because I, I, I like, I, I respect the conviction. I respect the belief. Um, I'm just not sure I'm convinced in this case. And, you know, I haven't been convinced on what the Rockets have been doing ever since last summer when they flipped Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. And one of the, so first, the first thing is this, 
they're no they're no better. They're not demonstrably better now than they were a year ago with Chris Paul. So that trade, which cost them picks, which you know had all other kinds of ramifications, has not moved the ball forward for them. And one of the consequences of it is that with Westbrook and Capella on the floor together, you now had two non-shooters, which could go up the works a little bit offensively. And so offloading Capella, adding Covington, it's a good move in the sense that I, I like Covington. He's a great defender, good three-point shooter. Again, makes them more versatile defensively. I, 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 you know, I love that part of it, but they don't have any functioning centers left. And... You know, part of this was that, you know, they wanted to create more room. And so now with Covington helping spread the court in a way that Capella couldn't, but you only have one non-shooter with Westbrook. Um, but it's, it, it's still an issue. It's, it's still an issue for them with to not have size up front and to have uh, P.J. Tucker working as many minutes as he may have to. That's, that's, that's a bit of an issue. Howard, uh, talking about the Jazz here for a moment, and Howard Beck with us from the Bleacher Report on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, give us your thoughts on, I, I mean, their manic play, I guess. They were playing so well for a month, and now losing five in a row, they don't even look like the same team. Howard, is is that something that should alarm Jazz fans? It's been that kind of season. Um, you know, there there's... You know, if they're going to panic every time that, that this happens, it's going to be a really uh, exhausting run. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's to have gone as long as they did without Mike Conley, to have found their footing, to have gotten certain guys in rhythm, especially Joe Ingles and, and, and you know, everything that Donovan Mitchell was doing, to then reincorporate Mike Conley first in the rotation and then the lineup. I mean, it's just it's these are every single one of these is going to create a little bit of a, of a ripple. So, um, you know, it's this is not the time to, to worry about that stuff. They'll, I think they'll get their footing. I think the, the break will be good for everybody. Let's see what they look like coming out of the All-Star break. Speaking of the All-Star break, uh, Howard, uh, I, can't, I can't remember uh, if you are a proponent of this whole exhibition or whether this kind of bugs you a little bit. Where are you on that scale? On All-Star weekend in its totality? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm a kind of over it, but <laughs> that happens when you've been to, you know, 17 or 18 of them. Um, you know, the, the All-Star game itself, you know, they keep trying to tweak it to get guys to play a little harder, to make it a little bit more interesting of a game as it used to be back in the day, and it, it just hasn't worked. We'll see if the, the, the latest round of tweaks do anything for it. Um, but, you know, the, the I think the All-Star game itself is actually the, probably the, the lowest point of the weekend. The Saturday night events, it just depends on the year. Three-point competition is always fun. The dunk contest, you know, every time we write it off, somebody pulls something out of thin air and, and, and kind of gives it a new jolt of energy. Um, last year's dunk contest, not great. Maybe we're due for a good one this year. But in general, I feel like All-Star weekend kind of needs a, a complete reimagining by the NBA. Rudy and Donovan did indeed make it. They're on the same roster. What do you think about both of them getting that recognition? And obviously Rudy's reaction last year, he's got to be happy he made it this year. Yeah, I mean, just overdue for for both of them for sure. I mean, overdue for Rudy. It's hard to say overdue for Donovan. He's so young. Um, But well-earned for both of them. Nice for them to get that recognition finally. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a blast at that that weekend. I mean, we, we can get a little bit uh, jaded about it on our end, but for the players, especially if you haven't been before, it's just a phenomenal experience. And to get to 
really spend that time around all the other stars. You pick things up. You, you learn a little bit. You, you get to know some of the other guys on a different level. Um, it, it, it's going to be great for both of them. Howard, I, we know you well enough to know that you're not a rush to judgment guy, that you like to sit back and consider everything before you make these kinds of proclamations. But is there a team that's impressing you, at least to this point in the season? I, the reason I ask is because I watched Giannis last night against the Sixers, and uh, the Bucks played hard, it, led by him. He's diving for loose balls. He's playing well, 36 points, 20 rebounds. And when I compare that to the 76ers, it just seemed like uh, shades of different colors. Well, I mean, a lot of that is just the Bucks have just such phenomenal chemistry. They know exactly who they are, what they're about. They have a, a clear focal point in Giannis, and they're great defensively. They've just built something really nice there, and it's a, such a sharp contrast with the Sixers, who, you know, when the season started, we all talked about this being a two-team race in the East, that it was going to be, you know, Philly and Milwaukee. And, you know, as it turned out, you know, Philly has just completely fallen on their face. The Sixers, the, the chemistry, and it, it, the inverse, the chemistry is terrible. Um, their stars don't seem to fit very well together. Everybody around the league is kind of just waiting for when that moment's going to arrive, when they're going to finally break up Embiid and Simmons. It always, obviously wasn't going to happen and, you know, at the trade deadline. That's, that's not quite the right time. They're going to let this play out. But if they flame out in the postseason, um, and really anything short of the finals, I think, is a disappointment for them, then I, I think they're heading toward a, a serious, uh, you know, reckoning for that franchise. Uh, Damian Lillard and the Blazers are in town tonight to take on the Jazz, Howard. What are your thoughts on the streak that uh, D. Lil's been on? Yeah, cooled off a little bit, but, I mean, he's been incredible. I mean, I, I just – because, you know, and you guys can certainly sympathize, he plays in a smaller market. He doesn't get quite the uh, the attention unless he goes on a streak like this. But Lillard's been this, this kind of player for, you know, a few years now, and – you know, it's unfortunate that they've struggled overall as a team, and defensively they're not who they were. They lost some key pieces over the summer, but he, you know, clearly they're still very potent. He's still very potent, and they're still trying to make a run at that eighth seed. Yeah, do you think they'll make it? Uh, it and I don't know. Does anybody know when Nurkic is uh, planning to come back? It's unknown. I think it's it's within the the realm of possibility that he plays this season. Um, but I could see this being one of those cases where. If they had a bad couple of weeks and they seemed like they were falling out, then they would probably just not even bother trying to rush him back. But I, I think there's a chance we see him. And if they're still flirting with the playoff spot and he's got a chance to, and he, you know, and he's ready and medically cleared and all that, you know, there's, there's, there's a shot. And he makes them a completely different team. I mean, it's, they're, they're certainly missing his presence. Howard Beck is with us here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He's in downtown New York City. Yeah. What are you, shopping? What are you doing, Howard? <laughs> I'm in, in Midtown going out with my wife and daughter, grabbing some dinner, and then going to see a show, actually. Good for rare you, night, Rare night to just kind of uh, tune out the NBA. That doesn't sound terrible. What are you going to see? We're going to see Jagged Little Pill. That's the uh, musical based on Alanis Morissette's album from back in the 90s. Oh, wow. How about that? Bringing a little culture See, to the big show. I've, I've, always, like I've always thought that about Howard, that he's kind of a renaissance man. You he know? really is. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got well, this recommendation from the great Andy Ellisberg, uh, who, uh, the, the GM of the Miami Heat, who is a, uh, a Broadway aficionado. And every time Andy comes to town, he takes in at least a show or two 
And uh, so this is a recommendation by him. So a lot on the line for Andy after making that big <laughs> trade with uh, for, uh, for Iguodala. All right. Sounds pretty good, Howard. Well, we'll let you get to it. Enjoy dinner and the night on the town. You deserve Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you, Howard. Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. That's nice. Because these, huh? these guys are so freaking busy through the NBA season. It's nice to hear them taking a breath. No doubt. By the way, that, little... that Jagged Little Pill show, it is taking the world by fire right now. Is it? It's the must-see right now there on Broadway. Okay. I wouldn't want to take a Jagged Pill, would you? Uh, no, that doesn't sound terrific. Because well, it would be all pointy and it might hurt going down. I know, but I think it's it's a metaphor. Ah. What's a metaphor? I, I know you... I need what's, some a meta- what's a metaphor? What's a metaphor? I yeah. get it. It's for grazing cattle. How do we get through this show every day? I don't know. Uh, big thanks to Howard for jumping on with us. This was a great album. Definitely. Are you a Morissette fan? I like Alanis Morissette. I met her once. Did you? At the old Simmons Media. She was coming through promoting a concert or something like that. She was oh, jumping yeah, that's there. right. We went to lunch with her. We didn't go to lunch with her. I did just pull a Gordon, though. I, I did. did just I'm do so that. I'm so proud of you. Because it's I, absolutely what, 100% oh, true. What am I thinking? I'm, I scratched that from the record. Never met the woman. <laughs> oh, I want to hear the whole story. What, what was she like? That was did, it. That was the whole story. Did you, I mean, did you get Shook a her sense? hand and said hello. That's it. <laughs> she didn't teach you how to play polo? No, nothing like that. Didn't stay in a room with her in her apartment or whatever you did with Juice Newton. Who's the most famous person you've ever you've ever talked to? Well, considering our job. I know. I mean, where? Well, that's my who? Michael Jordan? Okay. Outside of sports, who's the most famous person you've ever talked with? Met Billie Jean King once. Well, it's still in sports. I guess, but it wasn't really a sports setting. Oh, yeah. You were, it's back when your mom used to play competitive yeah, tennis, right? Yeah, down in Vegas. Uh, let's see here. Hmm, that's, that's an interesting question there, Gordon. Hmm, it is. I, I've, I'm not sure I could answer it. My wife has met the President of the United States. Uh, I don't think I can top that. Which one? She met, <laughs> she met Richard Nixon. When she was a young girl. Really? Mm-hmm. Was he president at the time? He was. How'd she swing that? That's a long story. I won't get into it. But she did a visit to the White House. Like, did she win some award or no, something like that? No. Or like a scholarship? Or She met uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon, she huh? She did. Wow. How about that? Mm-hmm. Not something everybody could say. I know. I mean, I think we were married for like 25 years before she even mentioned it. Yeah. She might have mentioned it before that, and I wasn't listening, but, you know. But, uh, yeah, it dawned on me one day. Wait, you've been to the White House? You have met a president, a sitting president? My wife has better famous people stories than I do. Like when she told Miss America the, to, like, hit the bricks and, like, wouldn't let her into a venue once. What? <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, she used to volunteer for Sundance, uh-huh. and so she was managing a line to one of the venues. Yes, and this gal came up, and she was managing the VIP line or whatever. The gal came up, and she said, "All right, uh, I need to get in." And my wife was like, "Well, let me see your pass." <laughs> and she said, "Well, I don't really have one." And she said, "No pass 
no pass, lady. Wait a minute, yeah. she's Miss America. <laughs> you can't, you can't turn down Miss America. She did. Oh come on, national Miss, Miss America had to go pull a few strings, and then the director of the film came out and said, "Yeah, you can let her through." Well, no, I think I think that should have let her in. How would why? Because she's Miss America. She didn't know that. Well, did she say that I'm Miss America? Uh, yeah. How many people can make whatever <laughs> claims ever? I mean, you claim all sorts of stuff on this show on a daily basis. It doesn't make it true. <laughs> I wonder if Miss America has like a card, you know, an identification card. <laughs> I don't know. Miss America. No pass. <laughs> no pass. Oh, see, I don't like that attitude. Sorry. Hey, them's the rules, pal. <laughs> This is it, it was you are, it was you are such a literalist man. It's Miss America. Let her in. Uh, my my brother got a chance to tell uh, uh, a very famous celebrity that uh, she couldn't come into a concert venue. Who was that? Uh, she's uh, Ariel Winter on uh, Modern Family. Oh. I don't know who that is. Because my brother worked for a concert venue in Aspen, Colorado for a little while and. They, she wanted this VIP treatment, which they don't give because, and he, he got to tell her like, "Hey, this is Aspen. Everybody's famous." <laughs> <laughs> you got to be an A-lister around here. Oh, maybe. there are no A-lister. Everybody's an A-lister. <laughs> Everybody's treated the same. Oh, man, those uh, those celebrities aren't used to that. I don't know how we got onto that topic. Me neither. But uh, anyway. Austin strikes me as somebody that would have, like, a really awkward encounter with celebrity. Mm. How about you, Austin? Awkward encounter with celebrity? Most famous person you've ever met. Well, I mean, I did that podcast with Bill Ingvall for almost two years. He's a pretty pretty big deal. That's pretty cool, yeah. All right. My dad dad has an awkward story with uh, celebrities. So my grandpa uh, will host this thing called the American Academy of Awards. And it travels the country and stuff. And this one time is down in Las Vegas, and the Thunderbirds were were putting on a private show for everyone at the at the Academy of Awards. And after the end, they all walk out onto the Air Force Base uh, uh, runway. There was it Lachlan, Lachlan, Lachlan. I don't remember, but where down in Vegas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Nellis down there. Nellis, okay. And the so they're all meeting. The Thunderbirds, and there's Tom Selleck, there's Oprah Winfrey, there's Donald Rumsfeld, there's Barbara Streisand, and my dad somehow got lost as he was walking and ended up walking with them out onto the runway. <laughs> and so, he, and then he couldn't turn around and leave. So the Thunderbirds are going down the line, shaking all these celebrities' hands, and then they get to my dad, and he's like, uh, "Hi, Dan Horton, Leighton, Utah. Nice to meet you." That's good. That's a good story. He should have said, uh, you know, Hill Air Force Base or something. Yeah. And then to take it further, about 15 years later in high school, I had a friend and I accidentally got my car stuck on her driveway. She lived up on top of a little hill and my dad came to help. And her dad was a former Thunderbird. And the, my, he was like, I, you, I recognize you from somewhere to my dad. Apparently, there's a picture of my dad that is shared around the Thunderbirds. My dad is like a legend, uh, an urban legend among the Thunderbirds that some some random guy just showed up on the <laughs> on the airstrip out there, and that was my dad. So there you go. I'm just trying to think of who 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 the most famous person is that I've been around. 
Uh, that is an insult. Why do I? Why do I play? I don't. Uh, you know, I mean, why? Sliced alone is a big deal, and uh, and that's a good story. I don't think I can top that. Uh, Sorry, Dad. Wolf, hung out with Wolfgang Puck and his wife. Never heard of him. Wolfgang, Wolfgang Puck? Isn't it Wolfgang? If you're saying it the way it should be said, it's Wolfgang. Well, how does he say it? Oh, that's in German. It'd be Wolfgang. He says it Wolfgang. Uh, Wolfgang Puck and his wife, <laughs> famous chef. You've never heard of him? Nope. Yes, you have. <laughs> Let's see, Henry Mancini. Did you trade recipes? Never heard of him. You give him your bean casserole. And... <laughs> you see, you put it in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> and you push these buttons yeah, right well, here. You know, Wolfgang. My name's Wolfgang. Yeah, not if you're saying it right. So there's this bean casserole. <laughs> uh, All right. You want to knock an item off the uh, off the old list? Oh, yeah. You want me to? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple minutes. We're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge Ram here in Sandy, 10905 South, Automall Drive. Stop by and see us. We still have some of those jazz bags left. I'm surprised they're, left, uh, they're still here. So come by and get them. Jazz shirts as well. Uh, and uh, great deals going on for President's Day. Nine Utes invited to the NFL Combine. How about that? Uh, three Aggies, no Cougars. But uh, there was a name that was not among the nine Utes. Uh, Tyler Huntley did not get an invite. Your thoughts? It was the most of any team in the Pac-12 by a couple. And uh, I think that's a number the Utes should be very proud of. Um, I do, too. I, I think it's, it's great. It shows the caliber of team uh, that they had this past year. And I think a lot of those guys are going to have the opportunity to, to really stay in the NFL yeah. and, and play really, really well. As far as Tyler Huntley goes, did, I mean, I'm sure Tyler himself is a little disappointed, but and he, he threw out like a laughing so hard he's crying emoji, but did anybody actually think that Tyler Huntley was going to go to the, to oh, the combine? Oh, you fans probably did. Why? Because they really thought he was good. Well, I mean, a good college quarterback and a good NFL quarterback are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And one does not necessarily equal the other, so I would say that. But I, I don't think Tyler is a real high-on-the-radar pro prospect kind of guy. I think he'll probably get a camp invite, um, an opportunity to make a roster. I'd be surprised if he did. I mean, no doubt about it, Brian Johnson was a great college quarterback. He didn't get... You know, he didn't go to the combine. He didn't get drafted. He was with the the Packers in camp, right? And then that was it. So, I mean, I don't know. I never considered, even when he was throwing the ball so efficiently, Tyler Huntley really a big time NFL prospect. Did you? Uh, not 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 high profile, no. But I think he's got a shot. But we'll see how it goes. I showed you guys yesterday the video of the young boy who, through the help of a hearing device, heard his parents' voices for the first time. I, I, if you haven't seen that, check it out online. It is. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. It makes me, it, it darn near makes the plumbing back up. I mean, I, I just can't get enough of that. Austin, I showed it to you. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That's, that stuff will get you. I mean, just that, that immediate moment when when he hears for the first time, wow, uh, such a cool reaction. He turned to his dad, and then he hugged his mom. Really, really cool. Didn't really move you much, did it, Jake? I, I thought it was nice. What do you want me to say? You're just kind of cold-hearted. 
I, th- I thought it was nice. What do you want me to say? You bring up some random video you found online. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Real quick, let me sneak this in here. Are the Rays really still considering playing half their home games in Montreal? They should. Okay. That, okay. First of all, let's ask Mr. Baseball real quick. Do you think that's going to work, Austin? No. Switching from St. Pete, Tampa up to Montreal. No, but it, but they, it can't be worse than being in St. Pete, where no one went. They had to pay people to go to those games, and they were leaving the AL East for more than half the season. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you're not going to support your team, I think they should move all their home games to Montreal. Remember when the Jazz did that for a little while down in Vegas? I, I've heard of it, yeah. That's where... Uh, that's where uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, broke the scoring record, I think, down there when they were playing the Jazz. And the Jazz were a struggling franchise at the time, just yeah. like the Rays are a struggling franchise now. Yeah. And, and think about it. What would other markets do to have a Major League Baseball team? And the Rays, the, that market doesn't even care. What would, what would the fans around here do to get a Major League Baseball team? Yeah. Yeah, and to, to watch those games or see the highlights or whatever, where you the, the one guy sitting out there in the stands, and you're like, "What? Come on!" I've seen Salt Lake City mentioned on lists of uh, potential future Major League Baseball sites. Uh, Portland, I've seen that, and uh, and Salt Lake as well. Um, now, here's my question to you, Jake: If they do split like that, will you cheer for them being an old Expos guy? Were they going to call them the Expos? No, but they will play in Montreal. Yeah, I don't think I. If they move there full time, maybe I'll jump on board. But you know, the ex the Expos play in Washington now, and they just won the World Series. But, we did but, it, but, as but, you well know. <laughs> Whatever happened to that hat? You stopped wearing it. I did. I wore it like yesterday. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, they're not the Expos anymore. Uh, they are. They're not. They are. That would be like a Cleveland Browns fan rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, it's just what you got to do sometimes. Do you think anybody in Baltimore roots for the Colts? They should if they were loyal. (laughs) They snuck out of town in the middle of the night. Stay tuned. We'll have uh, more coming up. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. want to remind you, join Scotty and Hans coming up on Monday from noon to 3 at Payne Anthony Jewelers, 329 Trolley Square, right underneath the Old Spaghetti Factory. We're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Come see us, 10905 South. Automall Drive, more straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. We were discussing Utah Jazz. Two things to watch here. Two th- things. I think the biggest one. The biggest one here. Why, why do you do this? <laughs> setting the stage. No, you're not. I'm you're mocking. To, I'm not mocking. I I'm trying to prop you, you up. I'm setting the stage because I'm your partner and I'm here to support no, and yeah, uplift. Yeah. I'm basically a bra. DJ and the bra. <laughs> would you watch that movie? No. It'd be horrifying. That movie would be a My bust. goal here oh, wait, right sorry. now, as you get ready to enlighten us, is to support and uplift. I'm the Brazier. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I know she said it's all right. 
make it up next time. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, 10905 South Automall Drive. Come by and see us. We've got jazz gear for you. We've got those bags that we haven't seen before, Gordon. Those are yeah. pretty cool. Very nice. Great President's Day sale going on as well here at Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram. Did you catch Chris Hill this morning with DJ and PK? I did not. It was good. He was in for the whole hour. Uh, their 9 o'clock hour. Uh, they did some kind of uh, reminiscing, uh, but they also uh, talked a little bit about where the conference is going, and I uh, thought it was very insightful, worth a listen for sure. But he talked a little bit about the TV deal, uh, Gordon, and we've seen some figures, uh, John Wilner amongst others, the hammer, John Wilner. Uh, has written about how the the gap is widening and how the Pac-12 is waiting until 2024 for the rights renegotiation. But by then, it might be too late. The gap could be as as wide as 100 million bucks uh, or something crazy with the SEC basically printing money down there. And it, it was interesting the 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 picture that Chris painted about Larry Scott when it comes to those these sorts of things that other opinions are not really considered. And mm-hmm. he talked about how he had raised the opinion because, and I did not know this, that Chris's son works for ESPN in their, basically their rights negotiation department. Oh, like really? He, yeah, he's, he does it for a living. But uh, but talking about how maybe at the beginning where, the, you know, the, the conference was also going to act as a television network, maybe that seemed like a good idea conceptually, but in real life it's just been a complete disaster. But that when somebody on the... <clears throat> Ground level, I think, is the way that he put it. Whenever they bring up, like, "Hey, maybe this this isn't the greatest idea," it's automatically dismissed by the conference. Oh, as, hey, as hey, you don't, you know, that's cute that you have an opinion and all, but let the big boys talk. And it, it was interesting because I, I don't think Chris was he was trying not to start a fire, if that makes any sense. But listening to to what he he was talking about, it just kind of. I don't think I, I think the criticisms of the Pac-12 are pretty justified that that leadership has not been great. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And there are all kinds of all kinds. There, there is all kinds of evidence to point to uh, that indicates that. Uh, I mean, I I don't know why uh, Larry Scott. I mean, I, I, he's got a long term deal, right? He's got another what three years on that deal. If they're going to can him, they need to do it sooner rather than later because they are starting that negotiation for 2024. I mean, you either need to say Larry Scott's our guy for that, or he's not. But you can't waffle. So it feels like they're going to stick with him at least through this this period. Well, there sure has been a lot of excuse making and wait and see talk. You know, you just wait. It'll work out. Well, in the meantime, the other Power Five conferences are uh, are pretty much light years ahead. Well, Chris brought up something that, that one of his ideas that he took to the table once, and it made a whole lot of sense. Like, So part of DirecTV's problem is that they're not going to pay what Comcast and Dish Network are paying for the Pac-12 network. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay it. The price is too high. So Chris's idea was, well, let's take less money. Let's say, hey, Comcast and Dish Network, we're going to ratchet your deal down and add DirecTV. And maybe you come out cash flow even, but your exposure is is big time. And that carries its own value. Right. You know, like simple, simple, like, hey, maybe we do this a little bit differently. And, and I thought Chris's point was really a good one. 
watching, and he said, kind of watching his son go through this process with, with um, you know, other conferences, is that they need an ally. They need they need somebody that knows what they're doing. The Pac-12 is not a television network company. They're not. They're a they're a athletic conference of but universities. They're, they're pretending to be, and they don't have any clout. So they go into the the room at Directv and they say, "Give us all this money, and you can have our programming." And they say, "Well." That's not worth it to us, so have a nice day. But if ESPN goes in there and says it, and they say, well, we don't want your Pac-12 network programming, they say, okay, well, say goodbye to all of our programming then. Mm-hmm. And then DirecTV says, wait, 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 we'll give you what you want. I mean, it, it seems simple, and i got to admit, I was on board with the retain all your own rights and do this. It, it seems smart to me, but they just... I neglected the fact that the Pac-12 is not in the TV business, and right. they don't know what they're doing in the TV business. They don't have enough clout to negotiate the deals they want. And, and yet that was one of the things that Larry Scott has sort of hung his hat on, saying that, hey, uh, the Pac-12 network was going to be this big deal, and it, was gonna, it may not pay off early on, but it would pay off big in the long run. And, it, well, everybody's still waiting. Well, it, that was a mistake. Yeah. And and you know what gets me about a lot of the the or you know the the sports that we cover, you know, what gets me is like people make mistakes. Perfect uh, there's no perfect people in this world. I mean, even titans of industry, I'm sure, have made mistakes along the way. Like it's it's what do you do? Do you do yeah. you just dig in your heels and go, "Nope, it's the right decision." Like um uh, Chris Hill brought this up as well. All the sub networks mm-hmm. like that idea in a boardroom may have sounded great. Like, oh, look at all this. We're going to have these different regional programming and we're going to get all this exposure. And it sounds great. But in practice, you're just taking the games people want to see and making it so they can't see them. That was a bad idea. So throw it in the garbage and move on. There's nothing wrong with taking chances. There's nothing. But as when it doesn't work. When, yeah. Oh, sorry. I stepped no, on you there. No, no, same thing. We're saying the same thing. It, uh, it there comes a point where you gotta you gotta pull the parachute, and you've been there, I'm sure. I bet you've gotten through uh, many a column where you've gotten three quarters the way through, or the the all the way through, or whatever the case may be. And you look at it and you're like, you know what, this idea didn't work. No, I chuck uh, out whatever schlock I can. Come. <laughs> no, I, that, I did. And then you move I, on to the next I did thing. That you know? this week. Yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, I I I don't uh, I. I don't know what to make of the Pac-12 right now. I, th- there's, a, there's a word that describes the overall feel to it that I think is being chipped away at bit by bit. What do you think that word is? Hmm. One word that describes the attitude of the Pac-12. Egotistical? Arrogance. Arrogant, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that uh, you know, the Conference of Champions. Well, you're also the conference that is making – a pittance compared to what other conferences are making. But still have the stones to live openly high on the hog. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as the the, uh, the administrations, the administrators go, yes, the highest paid commissioner in the land, the uh, probably the most expensive offices in the land. No, probably about it. That's a proven fact. Yeah. Taking private planes everywhere. You know, the the nicest suite in Vegas is where Larry Scott stays when it's going down to the Pac-12 And a tournament. real blind spot about the, well, what all of that suggests. The message it sends. Yeah. That's the most offensive part to me is is not that he's actually doing it, but that he just 
basically scoffs at the criticism and says, I'm Larry Scott, I do what I want. But there's always been, when I worked in California, it, it, there, there was always this sense uh, that would surprise people here uh, about uh, the, the Pac-12 and some of the folks involved there, that they feel as though they are uh, treated like a second-class citizen compared to what goes on back east. And folks here think, wait a second, you're on the West Coast. You have, all, you have Los Angeles, you have Seattle, you have all these big markets. Uh, don't, don't go there because uh, talk to us if you want to feel like you get short shrift sometimes. But uh, there needs to be some adjustments with, uh, within that conference because I don't want to call it a sleeping giant, but I think it's worth more than what the, the leadership of the conference has turned it into. And we're seeing that, the results of that in, in the, on the field, on the court. I mean, it's uh, pretty evident that this runs deeper than just how, how big the bank account is. Yeah, I agree, and it's maximizing your potential. But I, I think I mean, look at look at okay. This is a this is just one little small indication, but you know, people talked about Utah having a, a terrific recruiting class this year and all this. Yeah, it's about thirtieth or so, uh, and but look at the Pac-12 as a conference. It 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 was far below some of the other conferences as far as the evaluations of the kinds of athletes that are being drawn toward at schools. And that's that's a problem. Coming up next. This is one of many. Sorry about that. Coming up uh, next, quick not sports report, then Justin Zanuck joining us right at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. You're not going to want to miss it. It's all straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. What the Jazz are finding out is getting to that optimal level with consistency has a rude awakening when you are no longer one of those teams on the outside looking in. You know? Do you see anybody talking with Donovan Mitchell anymore after games? Now it's different. It's like, hey, you're good. You don't need me to talk to you. I need to go out and destroy you now. Like, you're on your own, dude. When you're in these positions trying to get to the ultimate optimal level of winning and you have the roster that is capable of it too, oh man, are teams coming after you. It's different and it's eye-opening when you become a marked or targeted team and, yes. and you, you show up on the map and everyone looks at you and goes, okay, you're legitimate and now I'm going to go out there and find a way to beat you and you are every single night somebody's number one priority. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now you're not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. She's got a whole lot of reasons. She can think of a single one that can justify leaving. He got none, but he thinks he got so many problems. And he got too much time to waste. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott Live, Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, here in Sandy. The Southtown Audemars, 10905 South Audemars Drive. It's time for the Not Sports Report. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Hollywood. You know those uh, slideshows that appear various times on your internet, on the internet and whatnot, that have various little interesting facts? Okay. And you probably click on them and then they they steal all your information and then you start getting advertisements and stuff. I, I don't know. Anyway, I saw one that had the heights of certain actors in Hollywood. Okay. And tell me if this surprises you. Some of them you may have heard They're all of. short. But... Elijah Wood. 
Short. You know who he is? 5'6". Okay. Humphrey Bogart. Short. 5'8". Humphrey Bogart. Why are you so surprised? Because he's a tough guy. So? You have to be tall to be a tough guy? Jack Black. Short. 5'7". Tom Cruise. Tom freaking Cruise is 5'7". Ah. These guys are all still taller than Tony. (laughs) Jonah Hill. 5'4". 5'7". Al Pacino. 5'2". 5'7". James McAvoy. You really thought all these guys were tall? I mean, this is shorter than I thought, 5'7". Bruno Mars. You know how tall Bruno Mars is? There's no way he's tall. 5'5". Yeah. 5'5". And Dustin Hoffman. Well, he's notoriously short, right? 5'6". Yeah. So, all you you guys out there who are taller than 5'6 or so... And, and your wife or your girlfriend loves these various actors and whatnot. Just say, <clears throat> yeah, well, I got, uh, I got considerable height on that guy. And that somehow makes you a better person? <laughs> I don't know. Is that what you're getting at? I don't know. I'm looking for any edge I can find for any of our listeners. Right. Tony, Tony's out of luck, I guess, right? Well, that's why he wears those lift shoes. How tall is Tony? Really? Like 5'3"? <laughs> But he wears, does he wear the tall sneakers? He, he wears lifts to get him to about 5'5". Five five. Okay. And why does he do that? Self-confidence? What's, ma- what's the matter with being short? Nothing. I, you just asked me. I know. I don't know. I, I <laughs> encourage you to be who you are. How tall are you? About six feet. Oh, yeah. Austin, how tall are you? Just shy of six feet. Yeah. Come on out and see us, no matter how tall you are. 10905 <laughs> South, Automall Drive. We're at uh, Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. It's their President's Day sales event and employee pricing plus. You've got to take advantage of it. Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Jazz, joins us next right here on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Color analyst for a Utah Jazz TV broadcast, Matt Harpring. Where's your level of concern right now? It's not high. It is tilting toward concern. Just because you, you got, what, 32 games left, and you want to stay away from that fifth spot. That's the spot that I think you want to try to do everything you can to get away from that. And so you can't afford to lose too many games because the West, the top six, those teams are going to be in it every single day, and you're going to be jogging for playoff spots. So, But if you just look at the last five, these are some winnable games that the Jazz have given away. You might can kind of say, okay, one of the games or two of the games, but when you do five in a row, there's more than just a little bit of the X and O's. There's a little bit of that effort thing that I was talking to you about earlier as well. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.